0: You know, you can go read someone's strategy on life or business or whatever, but when you go read four different people's strategy, you start to see common denominators, like things that they do similarly. And they're all a little bit different. Everyone got there their own way. But when we look at that, that was when I was like, oh, my gosh, I can go start a PayPal or a SpaceX or something that, you know, if I'm one in a million, I'll make it or I can go, you know after the three basic needs, food, water, and shelter, well, gee, Jeff Bezos has a pretty good monopoly on food and water, so why don't I go work on shelter, (laughs) you know? And and that was, uh, you know, I really started to see that common denominator and really, you know, how those economics worked.
1: Your network is your net worth. Come listen to some of the most successful people I know. Share invaluable knowledge, stories, and advice in real estate, business, and beyond. This is Weiss Advice. Whether you want to take your business or personal life to the next level, look no further. Welcome back to Weiss Advice. I am your host, Yonah Weiss. And with me today, I am extremely excited to be talking to Chad Sutton because he is someone that I just love what he's doing. His story is great. I've already interviewed one of his partners Aaron Hudson. You can go check that out on episode number, whatever it was, but just scroll through, you'll find it. And excited, hopefully, to interview some of his other partners as well, because there's an incredible team, Quattro Capital, which was founded recently. A little context about Chad, he is a recovering engineer. And so we're going to get into that, how he left corporate America to become full, full-time real estate investor, full speed ahead. Chad, how are you today?
0: You surprised me on that one, Yona. If I have to follow Aaron, I'm going to hang up right now. That woman (laughs) is spectacular. (laughs) No, Yona, I am blessed to be alive today. I I am, uh, you know, enjoying explosive growth in a company during one of the country's most disruptive periods since World War II, you know, so, uh, you know, I'm very proud of our team, proud of the mindset and proud to have the healthy family that I do. So we can dive into that as much as you want.
1: yeah that is that's incredible. And um you know I'm just grateful for you to be joining me today. and we talked with Aaron and not to have any you know kind of repetition here, but we talked a lot about team, and we talked about a lot about the power of having team members that are laser focused on what they're good at, so you can compliment one another, right And whoever's you know listening to the audio doesn't see the video of Chad just shaking his head up and down because it's so true. I think that's what makes you great. But before we get to that, I want to give a little, little more context. And we talked about the recovering engineer. Uh, but what was that about? I mean, you work for NASA, okay? Yes, and I, I mean, everyone, everyone knows what NASA is, but not everyone knows what it means to work for NASA as an engineer and what that means to gr- go through corporate America, climb up the ladder, and then one day look down and say, what am I doing here? And then totally change their mind. I mean, most people who, who don't understand real estate probably think you're crazy, or yes. You're
0: crazy. Many people still think I'm crazy. I still get calls asking, hey, do you want to come back to work? Are you doing okay? <laughs> you know, I'm like, no. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, really quickly, I mean, I, I was born into the typical, you know, American working class household. Uh, I was given the American dream that you go to school, you make good grades, you go to college you know, a decent college, hopefully get a good job and work till you're 65. That's, that's what I knew. Mm -hmm. And I did that, Yona. I I was very good at following the rules. I made great grades in high school. You know, I went to University of Tennessee in Knoxville, go Vols. That's been a tough football team to follow lately, by the way, and got an engineering degree because that was what I was told I was going to do because I just always exhibited those traits for good, Mm -hmm. for better, for worse and yeah I, I i uh right place right time walked into a position with nasa at marshall space flight center in huntsville alabama spent some years working for them back when the space shuttle was still flying so i was on the tail end of that and when we were starting to develop what is now the falcon project for spacex that was sold to spacex after i left nasa and they mm-hmm. of course made it awesome right um not detracting from them at all but you know that was that was the, the groundwork of a rocket we worked on And uh, really enjoyed that, you know, and about that time, that's when uh, a new administration came into office. And if you know, if any of you are are space nerds out there, it takes about eight years to get a, a product developed, tested, man rated, able to send people to space because everything is triple redundant. And the second you kill an astronaut, it's over, right? Right. Sure. So the problem is our administrations are typically four years or less or four years or four to eight years rather. And so that, that turnover happens a lot. Well, the space shuttle was, was ended. That project was cut and I found myself looking for a job and found one before I was laid off and went to work for general electric. And I was there for, you know, several years after that, that was where I really became more of an engineer. So working for NASA, yes, I was an engineer, But I was more like a project manager, right? All the real engineering work at that point was hired out to contractors because with the ebbs and flows in the administration, NASA just can't really keep that many high, you know, decorated engineers on staff. So I was really more of a project manager. It wasn't until I became an engineer for General Electric that I was really a hardcore nuts and bolts, you know, draw things on paper and build it engineer. And that was really cool, Yona, for a little while. (laughs) You know, so let let me pause there. Do you want to dive into more of the engineering part or or keep going until I got out?
1: Yeah. Well, listen, I mean, the engineering part is fascinating. That's something that I think a lot of people don't have the insight into what, you know, what Mm. goes into that. But, but But I think the, the real kicker for people is like, well, you were making, you know, making good money. I was, you know, had a good family. You were doing, you know, all the right moves that America is telling you you have to do. You have a four hundred and one k, right? You're putting yeah. away money for your time. A four hundred and one k.
0: Let me let me tell you the the good advice I listened to. Right. So the good advice that I was told to practice, I, I went and got a great job. You know, I designed rocketry and aircraft engines. I mean, what cooler job? It was great. Right. I literally, I can tell you a story about throwing birds, like like dead birds, a cannon that launched birds into aircraft engines to make sure they didn't, you know, crash or break because that really happens in the sky. So that, that was my job, you know, wow. I mean, okay. pretty cool stuff. <laughs> but yeah, you know, I, I rose through the ranks. I was making great money. My wife was, is much smarter than I am, by the way. I married up. And better looking. And uh, <laughs> and she she's in the medical field and is also making wonderful money. And we had high tax bills. We had student loans that you wouldn't believe. We had fancy car payments. We had a house payment. We had not really any consumer debt, but just, you know, insert American debt here, right? We right. had it. And so I looked down at one point and man, we were probably five years into our career grossing over a quarter million a year. And we weren't any better than when we started off. I was like, what is wrong here? What is going on? You know? Right. And uh, you know, I mean we saved a little bit, but then of course you're told Don't go pay off your student loans that are at 4%. Go invest that money and make 6%. And guess what? You're making 2%. Well, that's not helping anybody, right? So we we had this crushing debt. We had investments that weren't hardly performing. And I was so frustrated before I left corporate America. I was a real estate investor before I left corporate America. And I tried for almost two years to get that. I had a couple hundred thousand dollars in a 401k and I couldn't get it out for the life of me. It was stuck there until I left that employer, you know? So yeah, I, I just felt trapped. This is kind of what it was. And that's,
1: that's when it was time to make a change, Yona. But you had the foresight. And I guess maybe you had, did you have people in your life that had given you some of that, uh, you know, opened that door into the real estate world that allowed you to experience that? I mean, you said you had started to try to get involved in real estate mm-hmm. for a couple of years before you left. But yeah. where did that come from? I mean, it just, most people don't well, have that.
0: Yeah. At the time it was self-inflicted because, you know, I went and read a, a book you guys have probably never read. It's called Rich Dad, Poor Dad, Robert Kiyosaki. Heard of it. it. Heard of but, it. But <laughs> So just like many people, I I, I picked up that book. A, an entrepreneur friend of mine said, you know, hey, read this. Cause I mentioned to him, man, I always wanted to, you know, be in business for myself. Went and read that. And uh, that's kind of where the paradigm shift happened. And I started to be able to think about money differently. And that led to, oh my gosh, websites and YouTube videos and books and everything I could get my hands on about how people create wealth. And that common denominator, I mean, for those of you who read a lot, you know, you can go read someone's strategy on life or business or whatever. But when you go read four different people's strategy, you start to see common denominators, like things that they do similarly. And they're all a little bit different. Everyone got there their own way. But when we look at that, that was when I was like, oh my gosh, I can go start a PayPal or a SpaceX or something that, you know, if I'm one in a million, I'll make it. Or I can go, you know, after the three basic needs, food, water, and shelter. Well, gee, Jeff Bezos has a pretty good monopoly on food and water. So why don't I go work on shelter? You know, (laughs) and and that was, uh, you know, I really started to see that common denominator and really, you know, how those economics worked. So that was the start. And then simultaneously, I lost a family member who was, you know, patriarch of the family, my grandfather, huge influence on me in my life. And you know later in life you know after he was terminated at, at the top level uh, you know he was the the second to the ceo type for a large company and you know the target on your back just gets bigger the farther up you climb and eventually they had a spat and he was pushed out wow. and you know i watched him you know take money out of his 401k go invest it in real estate and i didn't really know what he was doing he told me he did this i didn't know why or what it was i didn't had no idea about income property and mm-hmm. then it all started to click and when he passed away you know, my now business partner, Kim Wendland, who is, you know, probably the brain of the group here. Uh, she, she took that business from one that was in decline when he got sick to, you know, over a 140% uh, increase in profits within a year. Wow. So it was like, oh my gosh, this works, Mm -hmm. you know? So that's, that's really where it began, man. That's incredible. And
1: so Kim, just for context is your aunt. She is. So so she inherited uh, a lot of that real estate from your grandfather.
0: Well, actually, she didn't inherit anything. The matriarch is still living, oh, okay. uh, so she so she has it, it. But but Kim kind of got her asset management chops that way. She mm-hmm. was, it was like, okay, well, we need to make sure her retirement income's there. And so she was in a great position. Had recently left, you know, her corporate awesome, you know, career. She was a, a Fortune uh, Fortune 50 executive for many years as well in the IT world. So a very smart lady had recently just said, you know, I can't do this anymore. I'm done. Timing was perfect because she got to be there, you know, 100% in the last days. And then she was, she was positioned to catch when, mm. when uh, you know, she needed to take over. And so that was really, it was really a, uh, there's no better way to learn how to run property than when you can't fail. You know like literally if you fail you have no choice. <laughs> yeah, yeah, if you fail, there is no failure. So. Yeah you know, that's
1: incredible <laughs> that, because that's, that's how we're challenged in many ways in life, and everyone faces challenges. Yes. But the challenges we're faced, and this is something I was actually just thinking about this morning, is the challenges we're given you know, and God tests us in so many different ways, and we will learn from the Bible in many places that that's right. we never get a challenge that we can't actually overcome because the reason we're given those challenges is to overcome and become something that we have already the potential inside of us to be, but we just don't know it's there. And that's so right. I think it's a perfect example. When something's thrown in your place and you have no choice, you get it done. Like yeah. they're, they're, that's just something Amen. innate inside of <laughs> us to do. And I yeah. think if, if we faced um, or approached challenges in that light, I think we would accomplish so much more in such a faster you know, turnaround, then, you know, a lot of us currently get stuck in challenges and we get stuck and we think we're failing and we think, right. "Uh, I can't, I can't do this or I can't overcome this and it's too much. And really it's just there to help us because we wouldn't get that challenge in the first place if we weren't able to overcome it. I mean, think about like a parallel And I was just thinking about this also, like a child when they're, and you have children also, Chad, right? Yes. When they're ready to walk. Okay. They don't know they're ready to walk. They don't know they can do it, but you, you know, put them in a challenge, right? And hold them and go away from them a few feet to have them try to come towards you and they fall and they, you know, get upset and they hurt, but you know, they can do it. They don't, they can't fathom. They can actually do that. And so they see it as a challenge or they see it as a, a failure falling, but you're only giving them that challenge at the moment when they're ready, right? That is such a great
0: analogy. And, and, you know, the, the, the good father gives you like, he, he sees that you can do it. He knows you can do it, but you don't know that. And so you feel like you're falling and skinning your knee and all that, but you know what you grow through those times and it is when times are hard that you earn your battle scars, you learn, and then you're better, right? Whatever that is. And I've got plenty of stories of that, by the way, but I mean, you know, I've heard this in a country song, I think, right. (laughs) The good Lord gave us mountains so we can learn how to climb, you know,
1: it's great. That's, that's awesome. <laughs> that's so true. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So that's incredible. So you you shifted just a little more your story, right? Shifted in that, and now you you know bought some real estate, bought some multifamily investment properties, and in the last twelve months or so, you guys have created Quattro Capital. Yes, um, in less than twelve months. But in the last twelve months, you have in a pandemic where a lot of people been talking about the market crashing and people were worried about you know, real estate having a, a really bad, a bad investment, because right now people aren't going to be paying rent, especially rental property. You guys went all in, basically. Yes, we leaned and, in. <laughs> <laughs> and getting back to, you know, that people looking at you thinking you're crazy. But tell me about what happened to you guys, uh, you know, you, your team collectively coming together in, in the course of 2020.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So we have this saying in Nashville that it takes 10 years to become an overnight sensation, okay? Because everyone sees your success when you hit the spotlight, but no one sees the the, the time you put in before that, right. right? So yes, Quattro Capital was founded in 2020. The entities that make up that joint venture, it is a joint venture. So Dr. Aaron Hudson is one of the members, Maurice Philogene, another fantastic 18-year real estate investor, and God, what has he not done? You know, mm-hmm. he's awesome. And then, you know, my entity, which is Kim, Tammy, who's my mother, and uh, Kim is her sister, my aunt, and then Chad. So we are five managing partners. And, you know, that's kind of how we came together by meeting through common channels. We eventually did a deal together. That deal closed in the beginning of of January 2020, right?
1: Mm
0: -hmm. It was not everyone's first deal. You know, it was our first deal together. Right. And we bought that, you know, just within the partners. It was a joint venture of us five, no one else. So we did not take on investors. Uh, and that that was really a benefit as, you know, I think all of us had our own, you know, success a little bit before we came together. And we're like, oh, my gosh, you know, like, like Aaron talked about in her episode, you got to put aces in their places. And we figured out. Wow, these individuals complement us in areas we're deficient and vice versa. Mm
1: -hmm. And
0: all of a sudden, a company started to form, not just a group of guys or a group of people who like to invest in real estate, you know, but it really became a real estate private equity company, right? Mm -hmm. We stopped behaving like just a group. And we started behaving like a company and, you know, we we are now organized, we have, we have titles, we have, you know, key responsibilities and everyone carries their part of the ship. And this, this is, this is something you can do alone, but do you really want to? Like, you know, we, we closed eight deals, eight multifamily properties. In 2020, during a pandemic, which was the worst disruption in the United States of America since World War II, people were scared, people were worried, people thought people that, that renters would not pay rent, right. you know, lenders would default. I mean, all this stuff, the, the, the chicken littles were everywhere, but guys, when you step back and you just look at the forest for the trees, right, and you think about. The demographics, you think about the fact that not enough building permits are going to be pulled in the next 20 years to handle the affordability crisis. You know, and when you start looking at the, at the shifts of, of mm-hmm. COVID exacerbated it, people are flooding from New York and California to Tennessee, Georgia and Alabama where we invest mm-hmm. because it is cheaper to live. The business environment is better, taxes are lower. They just got fed up with it. You know, so that that demographic shift that was already happening towards the, the South and the Mid South, it just exacerbated it. So sure, there are some places like Seattle and New York and, and places in California and Nevada and wherever right. else where people hadn't paid rent since March, but that is not the case in the markets. It is market to market. And, you know, it really helps to be in markets where it's a landlord friendly state, not because we're trying to evict people in their time of need, but because residents have the mindset that that renting an apartment is a privilege. It is mm-hmm. not a right, you yes. know. And so for those who reached out to us, there were some that had trouble. We organized a payment plan. We helped them find assistance. Like, you know, it, it's a it's a team relationship here. You don't want to evict someone when they're down. But for those who try to game the system, oh, we got you. You know, like like we're not going to we don't stand for that you know, so it's like, it's all about helping people when sure. they need to be helped. And, uh, you know, that's, that's really how we have built the businesses. It's more about people and property than it is about profits and, and from
1: there profits come. Absolutely. So, so maybe share one, uh, kind of war story because obviously nothing is, nothing is as, as, uh, you know, exciting as it actually sounds, right. There's nothing is all, uh, you know, uh, it was hard. <laughs> yeah, it's not, it's not all fanfare. It's not all like you know. Oh, this is all great. It's a business, and you're, yeah. when you're dealing with people and communities, and with and now scaling up to hundreds of uh, of residents across mm-hmm. you know multiple properties, and again, eight properties closed in 2020 alone. And it's just yes. incredible, and you guys are just going forward now in 2021. So, what? Tell me, give me at least one more story from uh, from 2020 that you guys encountered.
0: Sure, sure. Well. The biggest one that this keeps coming to mind. It happened to us on March 18th, and if you remember March 18th, that is when COVID officially showed up in America, and the stock market just exploded. Right, mm-hmm. everything everything got turned upside down. the Lockdown started to happen. We were in oh, we had about two hundred fifty thousand dollars hard on our on a, a seventy unit portfolio in in East Tennessee. And we were buttoning up the loan. We were finishing it up. We had a 1031 structure with it, you know, with, with a one large investor, we were 12 days from closing. We're done, right? We're finishing it up. Right. We get a letter from the, or not a letter, a call from the mortgage broker saying, Hey, uh, the lender's pulling out of the deal. What the heck do you mean the lender's pulling out of the deal? <laughs> like, did I hear you right? Sadly, our seller heard about it from, a third party person, you know, a third party that was doing like a rat on test or something. They were on site picking up the tests and he was like, what are you doing? He's like, Oh, the deal's off. You know, the lender's backing out. And so our seller, unfortunately heard about it before we did, which was unacceptable. So here we are 12 days before close on a 70 unit value add portfolio. Pandemic has just started. We've got a quarter million dollars hard and we just lost a $4 million lender. You know, I mean, it was a, a big, big deal. So you want to talk about freaking out and not knowing what to do. <laughs> <Right>. So <laughs> had to get our composure and I'm watching our time here. I may need to, to, short, to shorten okay. the story, but <laughs> in, in, in general, it took 20 16-hour days. Every day we would call new lenders. Every day three more would stop lending. It was like falling a boulder yeah. down the hill, you know, the market was seizing up. And eventually on the last day, like we were having a lot of midnight gut checks, like, look, do we even still want to do this deal? The money's getting expensive. You know, can we really, you know, invest our own money and that of investors right now? Or should we just take a personal loss? And we were prepared to take a personal loss and and to to protect our investors, you know, and it almost came to that. On the last day, we were going to make five more phone calls and they were going to call it. Because we had another extension. Every time we extended, this guy was making it more expensive, you know? Mm-hmm. Yep. And so on the last day, the fifth call that I made was to a nonprofit lender. I didn't know she was a nonprofit lender. Come to find out that money was not affected. And we wound up with better terms than we started with
1: wow. in a,
0: with a nonprofit, you know, a uh, uh, mission driven lender who this fit perfectly into. And we've since done three deals with them. But, but you know, wow. you know what we learned though? Number one, you, you visualize something you're going to get it done right but number 2 we learned that you need to be interviewing your debt partners just as hard as they're interviewing you because we never thought to ask where is your money coming from mm mm-hmm. you know this the lender that backed away was a securitized lender they just they just originate like 50 million in loans package them up in a little box and go right. sell it on the market and, and to, to their investors same way like what we're doing in real estate
1: mm-hmm.
0: but you know when you start understanding where the money comes from you start understanding what markets drive them and you know we knew that that the, this lender got their money from banks because banks would give them the money they would lend it out to you know uh, mission driven projects but the government would give them a tax credit the bank a tax credit for doing this mm-hmm. so they didn't care if the loan was making money or not they needed that tax credit you know?
1: Wow, so incredible,
0: yeah, man, when, when you were in the trenches and you were just
1: fighting for life, that's when you learn things, you know, that's when you learn. Absolutely. And, and I would say <laughs> another really important lesson there is you know, just the incredible, you know, providence, I would call it of just, you saw the, you, you made up your mind, right? We're going to do this last day. We're going to call it quits. Let's just do these next five calls. And that was it. And it was meant to be like, that was meant to come together.
0: Have you ever seen that picture? It's like a cartoon picture where they're digging in the ground and like, they're like literally this far from the jewels right. and they turn around and walk away. It's like, you know, it could have been that. <laughs> so.
1: It's true. But, you know, on the other hand, it's a risk, right? And, and you guys right. were were prepared to take that loss. It's a big hit. I mean, right. we're talking, that's a large sum of money to just have to. Yeah.
0: It wouldn't have ruined us, but it, I mean, that hurts no matter who you are. You know,
1: Absolutely. So. <laughs> sure. Incredible. Well, we could keep going all due, but I want to jump into the, the final four over here, Chad. First question we ask all our guests is, "What's the worst job you've ever had?"
0: <laughs> the worst job that I've ever had was bussing tables at a restaurant, and the reason—I mean, I, I this is coming from someone who's even shoveled. I've been a stable boy. I've shoveled horse manure, you know, and so that—that that was not that bad of a job. <laughs> um, that actually taught me a lot more than this. That was where I was bottom of the barrel. You know, I got the no share of the tip pool, and I had to put up with not only the BS from the 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 clients who thought they were better than everybody because this mm-hmm. was an upscale restaurant, but also the waiters who thought they were better than the busboy. So it was just an experience of here's what being a cockroach in the restaurant feels like, wow. and
1: uh, never wanted that again. Yeah. <laughs> Unbelievable. Yeah, that's a bad one. Uh, <laughs> I don't blame you for for moving on from that <laughs> to bigger and better. I was days.
0: I was fifteen. To right. friend, so.
1: <laughs> sure. Context there. What is a book you've read that's given you a paradigm shift?
0: Well, I promised you not to say Rich Dad Poor Dad because I know everyone has read that book. But
1: you already said earlier the, that it gave you a paradigm shift. so it's It just-
0: did give me a paradigm shift, <laughs> but there's more, right? So there's a book called The Honey Bee and it's written by uh, the Jake and Gino guys, Jake Stenziano and Gino Barbaro. I got it as a gift when I joined their program as one of our many education deals and what's beautiful about it is it it kind of had a rich dad poor daddy feel to it you know mm-hmm. but it was talking about the, you know the beekeeper and the honey and and it really starts to talk about how you generate that stream of income and how you don't get distracted by building a new stream you build some you know tributaries to that mm-hmm. right so you wind up with a raging river that has all these little bitty um i'm doing stuff on camera like they're gonna be able to see this right it has all these little side streams that, that run into it right And so it talks about the the evolution of an entrepreneur from the first realization where you have the paradigm shift all the way to what happens later in years. You know, this is from someone who's lived it. And it was the one time where, man, I I read a book and I was like in tears sometimes. like, I remembered that feeling. I remembered being at chapter two. I remembered being at chapter four. And then I got to chapter seven and I was like, wait, this is where I am today. Oh, my God, what's going to happen to my life? You know, and I, I couldn't stop reading it. Wow. So it was a really good read and, and for, you know, for anyone who's an aspiring entrepreneur, I highly recommend
1: it. Awesome, gonna check that one out. I didn't yeah. even know that existed, that's great. Most yeah, of the books I hear on this, uh, on this, I've either read or, or heard of, and so it's always good to hear like something yeah. totally, totally new. So I know- I think Jay it came out like guys. a
0: year ago, it's not, it's not very old, so.
1: Right, well, yeah, yeah, for sure. They haven't been around so long um, in our yeah. business, so. <laughs> Number three, third question, what's a skill or talent that you would like to learn?
0: I'm going to say who, not how, and, and and anyone who's read that book will know what I'm talking about. That's another book, I guess. As a, as a young entrepreneur and a, and a doer, you find yourself thinking you can do things better than everyone else, and thinking that if you don't touch it, it must be messed up, right? As we scale, that is not possible, and yeah. I'm having to learn. This sounds arrogant, but it, it's it's a growth. It, it's it's an immaturity, is what it is. Absolutely, I'm having to learn to trust people, and as we scale to execute on my behalf, you know, and, and learn to, learn to enable and coach people to, to, you know, work at their full potential. And like you were saying with the parent, it's letting them fail a little bit and mm-hmm. course correcting. Right. You know, so that is a skill that uh, most people don't tell you you need when you're running a company. And uh, I'm, I'm still, that's my 2020 goal is their 2021 goal right. is to really excel at that. And, you know, I, I grew it in 2020, but uh we are just getting too big to uh to touch everything.
1: That's so. right. That's a good it's a good thing to have, uh, you know, a good thing to be challenged with is be growing mm-hmm. growing fast. I'm feeling the same pain as myself personally. So I'm I'm looking yeah. for <laughs> getting a full time working on this month, not just 2021, January twenty twenty-one, working on getting a, a full time uh, assistant, at least for me. But yeah, awesome. we gotta we gotta scale. There's a lot to do. There's a lot to be be had. And you guys going forward, I mean. Before we even get to the fourth question, what does twenty twenty-one look like for Quantra Capital?
0: You know, I was on with our business coach, Trevor McGregor, yesterday with our team, and that is a fantastic individual, by the way, if y'all haven't met him. And uh, we were talking about just that. And the team has decided that our you know, our twenty twenty looks like seven to twelve deals. We're gonna target one per month, you know. We're targeting to have that where they can s- support their own payrolls. That's about eighty to one hundred and fifty unit. If, if you know your right. you guys are knowledgeable in that space, and it's really to focus on, you know, driving our assets to extreme profitability, maximizing distributions, and and carving out enough to give back as well. So, we're, not only are we trying to do do well for our investors and ourselves, but we really have a big philanthropy arm. And we want to, you know, we want to see more dollars go to that in 2021. So, lots of big goals.
1: <laughs> big goals to have. Big goals are great. Awesome. hags, right? And with that, we'll we'll end with the final question, which is, what does success mean to you?
0: Success to me, success is freedom, and and that is that is freedom of time, freedom of relationship, freedom of passion, freedom of location, uh, you know, and freedom of finance. I mean, that, first comes financial freedom, and then it enables all those others that I just mentioned. Right. So for us, you know, I'm, I'm not about cash, I'm about cash flow and, you know, as, as the company grows, as, as our success builds, you know, that only gets, gets bigger and better and then you have the freedom of who you want to spend your time with. You can literally work from anywhere in the world, you know, or, or not work, you know, take a few months off. I mean, but just, you know, really prioritizing those freedoms as the company starts to grow. So, you know, we're not building a job, we're building a company. While we we're building Quattro, we are not Quattro. There are people behind it, right? And so as it builds into the machine that it is, being able to let the machine run and, and touch it appropriately when you need to, but then also really enjoy those five freedoms. Um, so that's, that's what success means to me. It's not about money. It's about, it's about freedom.
1: Awesome. I'm glad you have that so well articulated because not a lot of people you know, understand that. And I think once you're in tune with what drives you, that really, you can go very, very far. Uh, way beyond right. what, uh, what other people think. So absolutely. That's, it, this has been an incredible, you know, just an awesome conversation, Chad. I appreciate your time. Uh, where can our f- listeners find you or reach out to you?
0: Yeah. The easiest way is going to be to go to our website. And that's T h e q u a t t r o w a y T-H-E-Q-U-A-T-T-R-O-W-A-Y.com. T-H-E-Q-U-A-T-T-R-O-W-A-Y.com. And I'm sure that'll be in the show notes and they Absolutely. probably will edit out where I just spelled that. So that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, if you go there, you can, you can find all of our partners, click on us and reach out, book a time, whatever. We'd love to hear from you. We love talking about this stuff. So even if you just want to hop on a call and talk about the freedoms, you know, we love doing that as well, but let's see if we can help each other.
1: Awesome. Thank you, Chad. Been a pleasure. Uh appreciate your time and I wish you tremendous success this year and going forward.
0: Likewise, Yona. And I'll be uh, calling you on some more cost segs here pretty soon.
1: Yeah. Well, <laughs> I look forward to that. And to all our listeners, don't forget, the best advice comes only when you ask. Real quick, I have one question for you. Did you like this episode? If you did, I wanna ask you a huge favor. See, the biggest thing that helps this podcast grow and that will spread this message to the whole world is that if you leave a review, a rating, and subscribe to the podcast, what that does is it basically tells the platforms that this podcast is out on is that you like my stuff and I'm doing something right. So take a few seconds out of your day, hit that subscribe button, leave a rating or review. I would be extremely grateful. Also, I want to hear from you guys. So I want to hear some feedback. If you have any questions for future episodes, please find me on LinkedIn, send me a DM, a connection request, Yona Weiss, and I'd love to hear from you.